Hi, Matt. Hi, Ashley. And hello, listeners. Welcome to the AFI List, a podcast where we've been blazing our way through the 100 greatest American film list, films list. You almost made it. <laughs> I almost fucking made it. I'm trying to keep it cool, man. I'm struggling. We've reached it to number 64. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, 1977, Steven Spielberg. And we can't continue our Spielberg magic without our bestie from the Westie. You're not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Laura Kenter, everybody. Hello, hello. I'm in fact from the East State, but, you know, very excited. It's been a really long time. It's been a really long year. Wish we could be doing this in person. But I'm I'm happy to be invited following Stagecoach. I, I really hope we have more fun than you guys had during that episode. <laughs> I bet we will. <laughs> <laughs> it is already a something? Yes. I listened to that, and I was like, and I, the reason I love listening to the podcast is because it makes me feel like I'm just hanging out with you guys while stoned. <laughs> and I listened to that podcast episode and you didn't even sound high. <laughs> That's what Stagecoach does to you, man. Yeah. It, like, sobers you up as you watch it. You, like, the sands of time, like, turn back when you watch oh a movie God. like Stagecoach. Yeah, it was, it's so weird. Some of the old movies crack different. Like, it's, like, it sucks your life out of it because it was so fucking long ago. There is no human connection. <laughs> None. <laughs> to be made it's a different world yeah not relatable in the slightest yeah but i think something that is super relatable is just (laughs) sci-fi oh our dear sci-fi stevie spielberg just keeps giving it to us with this shit we recently watched what did we watch (laughs) we watched a a spielberg movie recently we did <laughs> that wasn't for this list. Indiana Jones. We watched. Oh, that's Indiana for the Jones. list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, see, we are stoned. <laughs> In case anybody was wondering. <laughs> but it just feels nice. Like we always talk about, it's nice when we watch a Spielberg movie. But it's it is fun to approach another sci-fi because the last time you were on this episode, Laura, we had a blast on ET. Oh, we had such a blast on E.T. I feel like we cracked open the universe. I've never felt smarter in my life. We really unlocked something. (laughs) And I hope to do the same in this movie. And it's interesting you say that, you know, it's always fun. It's always comfortable to return to a Steven Spielberg movie. And I feel like this is almost his one outlier. It's so weird compared to his other ones. And it does have that same feeling of nostalgia and comfort and and kind of like, coziness but in this sort of skewed dark way yeah it, it is where et is kind of the kids movie this is like the adult like drama version in a way mm-hmm. one thing i think is crazy like I, I did a little bit of wikipedia research on this Ooh. one too but by that i mean like i pulled it up for five minutes and then was like i don't want to read anymore but i think a lot of critics at this time <laughs> criticized this movie for being just a kid's movie but then when i watch it like today i'm like no way is this a kid's movie close Close encounters in 1977 several critics were just like yeah it's a kid's movie i would not have understood this as a child (laughs) 70s kids were different man (laughs) very strange because i feel like E.T., I mean, I guess maybe the biggest difference is that, because they do have a ton of common, but one of the biggest differences is that E.T. focuses on a child, the main character, and Close Encounters focuses on an 
an adult who, quite frankly, uh, completely ignores his children. A hundred percent correct. Um, I also he cares have... more about the strangers, the, the other woman's kid, than his own. I, I don't know if he cares about that kid at fucking all. He's like, sorry about that kid, that thing I haven't seen. And then, like, she loses him and he's like, I've never been more interested in you without the kid. I think he just never wanted yes. children. I mean, I already have a question. I have a question for the room about this connection with him. Okay. Right, at, right off the bat. Right as we get started here. <laughs> Please. I get the connection with the woman because of this, you know, being drawn to the ship thing. Mm-hmm. But why are they, like, so horny for each other? Yeah, Laura, take that. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, (laughs) it feels like kind of a cheap shot because it's very clear that, you know, his marriage is is not going well. It's very tense. His wife just is constantly running around looking very worried, chasing after the children and getting mad at him. Yeah. But they didn't do any character development for the, I don't know their names, the other woman. You know, with the missing son. Uh, the so woman from like... Christmas Story. Oh, is that where she's from? I think so. I literally yep. was like, is that the man from Christmas Story? And that's the only thing I know her from. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think... I just, yeah, didn't know... The vibes everyone was putting out. Because right. I, I don't... He... <laughs> They feel like a very normal family in the very first introduction, kind of, of them. It's like in the middle mm-hmm. of the night, he's got to get called out. That feels like a family in chaos in the middle of the night, you know? Mm-hmm. Normal, in a way. But after that moment, after the encounter, <laughs> completely different. Like, he is just like a one-track person. There is so much distance. But I do find it interesting that she immediately is like, hey, forget about what you think. He, she won't even really listen to that. But, like, I, I think it's truly because of the other issues in their relationship we didn't get to see at all. Exactly. Exactly. So, I think he takes a turn for the mentally unstable. And <laughs> she, it's clear things have been building up for a long time. Because I feel like she would have had a little bit more compassion or just worry. You know, not to say that she wasn't distressed by him sort of losing his mind, but... It didn't seem to come from a place of, oh, we have to work through this together. I need to get him help. It was instantly, you know, she was turning against him and, and sort of running away. Yeah. And like, honestly, that that fight or flight kicked in and she's like, I'm fleeing with the kids because like, I, this, I feel so bad for the fucking kids. That that I older, know. the oldest kid was like, old was and crying at the table. Yes. Oh my God. That shot where you could see both of these, like the men of the head of the family, you know, like they're going to be the man of the family. If he goes nuts and crazy, it's on that kid now because of the time, you know, and it's like them both crying. I was like, this is devastating. This was a kid's movie, Matt? No, I, that just... Okay. And here's what I'm saying. And this is the, the main thing I had in my notes about this movie is that it's all incredibly sad and disturbing and no one really seems to be treating anything like it's actually sad and disturbing. Like the entire fact that <laughs> aliens have landed and abducted people. Everyone seems to be, oh, this is cute and this is interesting and this is fun. And it's so wonderful and, and mysterious. But then the, the, the most emotional and difficult part of the movie is this family. It's the kids watch, and, the, and the wife watching the man of the house fall apart. But, but, don't, but the aliens aren't that big of a deal. <laughs> 
Because, yeah, you, I mean, the, the kids, that scene we just talked about with, like, them crying, like, that's so intense and powerful, but truly, when he goes insane and starts ripping up the yard and throwing it in the house, like, as a family who has seen him start to, like, break down, that moment of, like, manic energy must have been earth-shatteringly terrifying to see your dad, Absolutely. like, completely detach from what is reasonable. Absolutely. And and I already feel like we've been so hard on the wife. I do not blame her for oh, running. Oh, no, 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 no. I would have run, too. No. But it's just, it's it's clear there was more at more, more play. Yeah. Oh, I'm not hard on the wife at all. No. I think the, the dynamic is, like... We see her kind of dismiss it, but it's like, what has she had to have put up with right. to this point? Right. Like, clearly there was no, she's like, I don't want to hear it at all, which is, with no context, harsh, but like, with the amount of stress and chaos in that home is probably constant in the household. Mm-hmm. And this was mm-hmm. the the encounter, the closest encounter was the final straw <laughs> for this family. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and see, <laughs> I would love to say that like one of my big notes for the movie um, has a lot to do with like communication and the representation of like chaotic communication. Like this huge thing is happening, and it's just rooms of people speaking, and then there's murmur of other people speaking. So it's crossed noise. You can't really fully hear anything that anyone's saying. And I was like, oh, my least favorite sound once again is men talking over each other. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a lot of that in this movie. There is. Like big rooms of them just rumbling and rumbling and rumbling. Yeah, it's pretty soul-crushing. The whole beginning of the movie where there's that introduction in, like, a sandstorm with all these dudes screaming at each other and, like, and interpreting. With the, with the plane. Yes, and I couldn't hear a fucking thing anyone was saying. And I was like, is this supposed to be? I thought this was an alien movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God there was a good booming soundtrack to this movie to drown out some of the men talking over each other. <laughs> So, like, I feel like lately I've been having such intense sensations from sound, like audio, and I'm really sensitive to certain things, and, like, the layered, abrasive talking just drives me (laughs) fucking insane. Like, it hurts. You know what's so fascinating, though, is that you're so right. The humans in this movie, both in groups and interpersonally, are very bad at communicating with one another. And then you see this really powerful scene where the aliens step out of the ship and are seamlessly and silently communicating with the humans back and forth with such ease. It feels like such a breath of fresh air. You're like, oh, finally. But at the same time, it's hysterical to watch because what on earth are they saying? (laughs) Literally the whole ending. It was like this beautiful moment. Look at the pretty lights and the boop, boop, boop. That impression was stunning. Spot on. I just really freaked out my dog. Oh my god. Um, Yeah, like, it's supposed to be, like, this calming thing. And I do love kind of, I partially love the energy in that big open field at the end of this movie. 
Um, when they come down, people are like both like, yeah, cheering. Then they all leave and then they come back and everybody's screaming. <laughs> It's so odd. And then they're because like, you, no, it's a concert. That's <laughs> like no one's saying anything during that entire scene. And so, and but it's kind of amazing. The ambiguity is amazing because we can just use our imagination and just take in like the lights and the sound and the sort of grandiose ship. But they could be saying absolutely anything. Yeah. They don't I even need to give us an explanation. I think the fact that, here's the thing, I think the fact that there is any communication happening, even if you don't know what it is, there's an attempt of communication versus uh, obliteration. I guess that's kind of the trust they're taking for, like, encountering the beings, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, they're trying to talk to us, so it's not aggressive, you know? Yeah. But they don't know that it's not aggressive, so that's why there's kind of some military figures throughout, because they're like, we're gonna keep an eye on things, and I'm like, you guys didn't do anything. Like, stuff was coming in pretty hot. Did you see, like, all those little ones were like, here's our light show. Now here comes yes. the fucking big bitch who's gonna <laughs> blow you to smithereens. I think, I think this movie, I think this movie is a horror movie. Um, I really do. I, 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 I <laughs> I'm not even joking right now. I think this movie, I, like, I kept thinking one of my favorite horror movies of like the past twenty years uh, was Signs. I think Signs is incredible. I got I Signs kept vibes. getting so many Signs yes. vibes from this movie. I love Signs. <laughs> I maintain that it is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen, and it was filmed in my hometown. Fuck yes, it is terrifying. It's terrifying. You must have been so scared since it was your hometown. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh my god. When that fucking leg in that cornfield moves, I want to die. (laughs) Oh, see, for me, the moment that made me literally almost kiss my ass, I was way too old to be doing so, was the news clip they showed of of the recording. Oh my god. It turns your stomach when you watch it. It turns your stomach. (laughs) Something about Walking Phoenix's eyes. And the sound and the lead up of the kids. And it's just like, like it literally (laughs) punches you in the stomach. And I think like that moment and the girl in the closet in the ring are just two things that we are not supposed to (laughs) ever see. I am home alone, you assholes. (laughs) I'm like looking around my room looking for something to move in the closet. Ooh, ooh, I just looked at my notes and I wanted to say this cute little thing. I think Spielberg loves the idea of aliens raiding the fridge. (laughs) Yes. That little kid comes down into the kitchen. That's a cute kid, by the way. And he just was like, oh my God, this is a mess in the kitchen. Who did this? (laughs) As I'd imagine. Yeah, you know, there were... In addition to the, the refrigerator moment, there were so many repeated shots. Like when the kid goes outside yes. in that scene, he's standing in the door with the, with the really bright light shining in, darkness behind. Like that exact shot is an E.T. I literally asked, I was like, is this the E.T. house for a moment because of the shots? Like mm-hmm. the whole, yeah, like Spielberg loves a backyard house moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just I do. I feel like uh, E.T. is like the second evolution of the Pokemon of uh, Spielberg's alien story. <laughs> oh, I think that this, this movie had to exist. Close Encounters had to exist for E.T. to exist. It was the warm-up. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It totally feels like the warm-up to E.T., but the, not discredit necessarily this movie, but just like 
there's a shell that's there that is very familiar. <laughs> so I did have like a, a kind of last night when I watched this film. For the first time, we didn't even talk about our history with it, but this was my first time viewing. Um, and I was very stoned by the end of the film. So my brain was going to lots of deep wormhole <laughs> places. <laughs> and I came up with this question slash theory. Is E.T. the reimagined spinoff of Dreyfus's family, the single mother with the three kids? And Dreyfus, like, went to space? And then I posed the question... Is E.T. their half-brother? <laughs> part, now listen, part alien and part Richard. <laughs> oh my god. And that's why he wants to get close to his family. <laughs> because, like, they're related. <laughs> oh my god, Ashley. <laughs> I think you've tapped. That's not even, that is so possible. <laughs> I felt so like in a whirlwind when I was thinking this. I had like racing thoughts <laughs> about this whole thing, and it was killing me not to tell Matt, who was next to me. But I was like, "Oh, we gotta save it for the pod," <laughs> because I really wanted to see if you guys thought that was crazy or not. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it it is spot on. <laughs> I think like. This is exactly what's happening. And now I can't think of it any other way. Yeah. I mean, it matches up with the kids, with the ages. Like, Why E.T. kind of looks like a shriveled dude? Yes. <laughs> even take it a step farther, even more conspiratorial, and say that Richard really just lost his mind and all of E.T. is what he thinks <laughs> happens afterwards. <laughs> Aliens told them they were going to send a happy alien to make his family happy. And he's like, yeah, that's totally what happened as he's being probed in the mothership. Yes. Are we geniuses? Or are we geniuses? I think we need to get Stevie on the fucking phone. And we gotta shoot the shit. I bet he'd love that theory. He's like, I've heard it 9,000 times. I know, we're definitely not the first ones to come up with this, but I like it. And you know, that kind of leads into my other note about this, which is, you know, the most obvious read of the film, I think, but it's such a good, a good depiction of sort of what it feels like to have an earworm, you know, like something stuck in your head that you don't really know the source of, whether it's a song or a lyric or even just a phrase, you know, like, or you'll see a number somewhere and they'll start to show up everywhere and you just feel pulled to it. I feel like that is something that we all live with on such a daily basis. And sometimes it can get really intense, but it's not something we can really discuss or describe to one another. Like specifically the things I'm thinking of are, sorry to sound so high, but you know, have you guys ever gotten sort of images stuck in your head yes. and you don't know where they're from and you don't know if they're a childhood memory or yes. something you saw on a TV show and they're just forever in there? It's just like a small fragment that yes. you can't pick up and look at deeper. You just have, yes. I have, sometimes I have that image with people's faces where like people I I knew a long time ago or I met a long, long time ago and like they caused a, an emotional response for me to create a memory, but it's been so long. I don't know what that person looks like, but I have a fragment of it, you know, like there's just like yes. 
a, That's I, exactly what I'm talking about. It's a one millisecond like, frame that you get. Yes. And on a very, very rare occasion, I will be, you know, watching something from my childhood that I haven't yet sort of rediscovered as an adult. And I will find the source of something and be like, oh, my God, that's what that's from. That's what I always pictured. But it doesn't it, it only happens super rarely because that's only for the ones that are from like movies. I mean, like like you said, it could be someone's face. It can be an experience. It could be. A, a sentence in a book and I one of the reasons I love this movie so much is because they do that with uh, this mountain formation in Wyoming or whatever and it's so weird because they're just you know scraping piles of mashed potatoes and, <laughs> you know it's it's so funny and so quirky but it's it's so specific because you know if you ever sort of stopped and slowed down and really paid attention to those fragments that we all have they would probably drive us insane Dude, I feel you like know? I was a doodler in, like, school, and I would go through phases where I would doodle one specific thing over and over and over and over again, just because I was almost like, no, that's not right. Yeah. And then I would just keep doing it until I found, like, the perfect one. And I have all these, like, weird... Every now and then I'll go through my stuff and find these little tiny fragments of paper of little drawings I made... But I saved that one because I'm like, something about this nailed something that I had been doodling for a long time. <laughs> That's so interesting. It's like we have a dream or something of what, like a deja vu thing, but like a physical piece of yes, deja vu. The more we're thinking about this, the more I'm realizing how uncanny the entire film is. Yeah. It just has that eeriness and that sort of unmistakable you know like very David Lynch you know it's this thing that is sort of indescribable and nightmarish but at the same time a very normal part of human existence <laughs> yeah absolutely it's and that ties I think back to it being like a horror movie it's the vibe I'm getting from this thing I even I want to take I want to go back to the Richard Dreyfus uh, <laughs> uh earworm theory because I want to yes. take it a step further I think I, f- I felt, too, like this could be, you know, Spielberg's a young dude at the time he's making this. I feel like this could be, like, a, a representation, too, of, like, a creative, a frustrated creative mm-hmm. trying to get something out. Um, so I felt maybe it could be, like, that vibe. Or it could just be, like, as simple as, like, maybe even, like, because Spielberg always has a thing with, like, fathers. I feel like it could be a thing where it's, like, men not being able to communicate because he's obviously not communicating with his wife, his kids, mm-hmm. and he's frustrated by his inability to actually communicate. And, uh, you know, Spielberg has the thing about looking for his father all the time. So it made me think that it could be even those routes as well for I this. I do want to let you know that, like, I was also poking around the Wikipedia a little bit and then stopped because I didn't want to read anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we did the same exact thing. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, but James Lipton of Inside the Actors Studio and okay. everything was talking to Spielberg and he literally asked a similar question about how, is the experience of Richard going on to, like, the ship or whatever, like, Spielberg's kind of, like, reconnection with his father and his mother or something like that. Like, so j- you're not alone. And, and that's, like, a very... Like, yeah, James Lipton... Nice. James Lipton-like question. <laughs> it, only take, it only takes the weed to get me there. <laughs> if only I could be like this on the daily. <laughs> you are, because you're always hot. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I do think <laughs> all of those things are true. 
in some way or another. But I, Spielberg also said, I think like in the 2000s, he did an interview and he was like, um, I, he made the movie when he didn't have kids. And he said that if he made if he was making the movie today, he would absolutely not have Richard leave his family. Wow. It changed that much. Like he, he became a father and he probably then has his emotional experience connected. So it's kind of nice that the ending is the way it is because like it does something so devastating to people who have children. It's a devastating movie. <laughs> it really is. Also, I don't know what you guys are talking about with his father. What was, what was Steven Spielberg's childhood trauma? I don't even think he has like necessarily like a, publicly known like trauma with his father it's just like in all of his movies there's a main character sort of searching for a father in all of them and uh, like people have picked it up from et with the single mother jurassic park with the kids and sam neill who like the brushes them off or whatever Mm -hmm. like uh, indiana jones any in any of them the the john connery thing like it's uh he's always looking for his father in these movies and i'm i think i don't know like anyone who's like i fucking love spielberg you guys are idiots you don't know what you're talking about like that's amazing (laughs) for you Um, (laughs) (laughs) but i i don't know the way he was talking about it in the james lipton thing it, it sounds as if like his parents had passed on or whatever and and i think maybe in that context like maybe his dad died a little bit younger or something so or he was or he was dealing with that loss like during or some kind of family thing but like it, it is asked a lot about his family connections and i think it's probably just a testament to spielberg's like very realistic like everyday people kind of vibe that he like lingers onto yeah and i think that's why this movie is on like a list like this it it originally like there were so many versions of the script and i think they were like originally going to do a cop and they're like it doesn't feel right with a like a collared worker you know like it has to be like an every man so interesting is because you're right i mean all both both scenarios Richard finds himself in are so centered on fatherhood. I mean, this is kind of obvious, but, you know, the, his kids are looking for their father and not finding him as he sort of loses his mind and becomes obsessed with the aliens. And he sort of becomes a father figure to the, the single mother as well. Yes. And you know what's so fascinating is that even just hearing you both talk about this and that you bringing up that it feels like a horror movie, I didn't even register this, but the first time I watched it, all I could think about was how similar it was to the poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, the kid you know disappearing. Those, yeah. Yes, like, and, and for some reason, that sort of depiction of this this everyday family with this young couple who are arguably much and much uh, more successful of a marriage because they seem like they really get along and love each other. <laughs> <laughs> but but I there were so many parts of the movie where, you know, you have this this mother sort of obsessed with the missing child and the father being sort of confused and overwhelmed and and sort of very spiraling and I it's one of those things where after I saw the movie I kept having memories of it and not knowing I was like oh wait no that's in the poltergeist oh wait no that's in that's in close encounters and the movies are, are incomparable but they feel the same 
I think even, like, one of the scenes that made me think it was a horror movie that reminded me of, yeah, both Poltergeist and Signs was, like, that scene in the kitchen. Yes. It's a very, like, War of the Worlds. I feel like Spielberg kind of caps off that story with his version of War of the Worlds in 05. But, like, where the light is kind of coming through and she's blocking it and it's, like, scary because she's like, are these aliens going to take my kid or whatever? Yeah. I feel like it feels, yeah, very Signs- very whatever one we were just talking about yeah. <laughs> uh, poltergeist yes it feels like yeah it feels like very poltergeisty um and, and then I, and that in that particular scene i was like man this is a horror movie and then since it never really like lets the dread ever go it's like even at the end where it is kind of uplifting there's still this like melancholy at the end or whatever it made me that's what really like sold me on this being like a horror movie <laughs> yeah i think yeah. that like what what's so like very poltergeist as well as um i was thinking of another one but i think the the conflict is like this kid goes missing and in both like your kid is missing but they can't see them or comprehend where they are but they know for a fact that they are alive Yes. And that is crazy. So it's like Poltergeist is like this other realm of this ghostly realm kind of thing. Whereas this is outer space. <laughs> like it's so huge that like a normal person can't comprehend it, but they know their kid is alive. How do you how do you cope with that? And I think this woman is really strange in the end of the film, like, she's kind of dazed and, like, but determined to go forward because she knows he's alive but cannot explain to people what happened without being deemed crazy. And then I think it has tied to signs where I feel like it's everything is kind of meant to be where she goes with him, but she's not going to go the extra step to go on the ship because her kid is coming back. So that's sort of, it's almost as if the aliens have this whole thing planned for them because they're obviously the things drawing them to the place, right? Like the aliens are... They did choose him in the end, too, so you're right. They were sort of orchestrating the entire thing. And yeah. also, I find it interesting that when they were questioning him, they were like, are you a painter or this? And it's only creatives that were like had these close encounters. Mm-hmm. It was the creative types because he said no to that, but he's like a sculptor. He's like a you, crafter. Yeah. So, like, he is creative-brained in, like, creation. So they are picking people who create things, and she was painting those like landscapes over and over again and they were good i was like dang girl you got some skills <laughs> yeah there's like the the fresh i think this is where i thought that theory of like this frustrated artist is yeah in there. like he's doing this this job of uh i think he's like an electrician or something and that's why they call him in when the grid goes down or whatever and then he <laughs> you know he splits off and gets this new job or whatever but like he's he's in this nine to five, you know, blue collar job, but then obviously he's making, he can't stop making these sculptures and it's in his brain and it's all he can do. It's like the frustrated trapped creative. Like, I love the, that when the people who kind of like capture them and they're like, uh, yeah, all these dudes came out here specifically and they don't know why. And then he was just like, there must be more, but who wasn't watching the TV that day? You know, because like they they knew to go to that spot because they saw it on television. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other people, there were probably more people who still had that image in their head, but couldn't 
figure out what it was. Because so, I will never be able to scratch the itch. I hope that it goes away since they got their first pickup. Yeah, I, just, I do. Again, I feel like it's part of the alien's grand design. Like they were kind of the like edge, the fringe. If we need them, we'll take them type people. And they, by that chance, they didn't look at the TV. I love this scene where Spielberg teases it so well, where he's on the phone and he won't look at the TV, and they keep showing it on the TV, but he's distracted oh and he's God. like, I can't get this image out of my head, and it's literally right behind that. him. And you didn't notice? No. I, they show it like twice before he finally looks, and it's just such like a tease. Like, you're just like, come on, turn around! <laughs> oh, so funny. Also, speaking of, of little Easter eggs, did you both recognize that that song playing, like the orchestral finale song as, you know, the, the ship lands and they, they take Richard? It's When You Wish Upon a Star. I didn't recognize it. Well, I think during it, I believe it plays one other time because I think it's on TV, right? No, it's like a toy oh, that a toy. plays it. Yeah, A toy plays it. That, oh. That's the only reason I know it. But I would have forgot because I'm stoned. But the only reason I retained it now is because on the Wikipedia, it, it said like that was a huge thing he wanted to incorporate into it, I think. What does it mean? <laughs> you know, see, this is another example of this thing that you would think objectively is the most horrifying experience of a, of <laughs> our our imagination to be abducted by aliens and taking taken away from your family onto a different planet <laughs> but no it's this whimsical beautiful nostalgic childhood dream when you wish upon a star it makes me like think <laughs> that richard dreyfus was like i need an out <laughs> <laughs> Not as like cynical as that, but more like I am, I'm just like a dude and I need a great adventure thing. I think it's that curiousness. He, he immediately, curiousness, curiosity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did you major in, Ashley? Uh, <laughs> Words? <laughs> I majored in creative writing. I may, I take writing and I make it creative. <laughs> So I wonder too. What's interesting about if we're if we're going less, you know, morbid and you know, sad horror movie existential <laughs> drug track, and and just accept that this is a whimsical event. <laughs> there is something kind of fascinating about the fact that it it really gets at this feeling of sort of isolation and loneliness and strangeness that I think you know everyone feels that personal brand of like oh no one is like me I must be different I don't belong here you know just just those typical yeah like isolated feelings and it just that's sort of a dream come true you know again on the good side of things and I wonder if that was really Spielberg's intent with the ending for Richard like he always felt different and this was meant to happen and it's a good thing it's a comfortable thing it's what he should be doing and where he should be going and if that's true how interesting it is that he's sort of normalizing that very dark feeling that we all feel but again no one really talks about yeah i think it is just as a blanket you said it we all fucking feel like that all of the time and it's crazy that we're aware of that yet we still feel it in certain ways. And everyone feels it differently because yes. everyone's obviously such a different person, but yeah. 
it, it, it just rears its head in some other way all the time. And yeah, I think, I think he was kind of like stagnant in where he was maybe like creatively and in challenges and like, I don't know, maybe just joy in general. And like there a is a general midlife crisis. Yeah. Kind of. And there's like always like this thing where it's like, well, you just have to kind of deal with it or you can, you can follow the fucking chaos path of what feels right. Like you feel that something is going to happen with this thing in your head. You know what you saw. You can trust yourself and you follow it and you fucking get abducted by aliens. So you followed the path you, you wanted to be in. Right, like, isn't there a small part of you guys, because I feel this way, that wishes that would happen? You know, not saying that I want to be abducted by aliens, but if I sort of <laughs> followed my little mental breadcrumbs, all those little earworms, and landed in this, like, wonderful, magical, you know, water princess land that was, <laughs> you know, my destiny, <laughs> hell yeah, I'm getting on the boat, <laughs> you know? I can relate. Like, not necessarily water princess land, but... <laughs> But like I can fire princess land. <laughs> fire princess land is mine. <laughs> but like, no, there's the there's there's the romantic notion for all of us of the escape, you know, running away, throwing our life away, and just just you know running off yeah. in the night or whatever. And I think that's like one of the the thing that is so relatable in this movie. I think... we all feel that kind of like throw it, you know, right? Yeah. Or, or is that just me? <laughs> No. I, like, I mean, I love this movie. That's why it's so interesting, because I feel like it has this undercurrent of, of darkness that just feels so validating and so deeply understanding of something that is really difficult to talk about and communicate. I think that yeah. during this, like, this kind of year-long pandemic shutdown of, of how things were, like, in detaching from so much noise and, like, this movie, it feels very parallel kind of to now. I'm, I'm really happy I didn't watch this until like, you know, this time of my life. Um, because I feel like I can really appreciate it pretty deeply. Because it is like so fucking noisy. And then he goes and all you hear is solitude and those notes of communication. And it's clear and succinct. And it feels like locked in and central. And there is such peace in finding that. And like for a shutdown, we all had to detach and refocus a little bit. And not everybody can like completely overhaul. And I'm not saying I did anything crazy, but it's like you have to find what little earworms you have to follow. Like you were saying, like you just have to go and trust it a little bit more. And I think so many people like, the normal family on that fucking street who were all like, this guy's fucking Looney Tunes. <laughs> they wouldn't follow that curiosity and hope for something else. Right. I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's like really profound because if you really think about it, I mean, I know just between the three of us as friends have talked about having some pretty spiritual experiences in the last year that feels like exactly what you just described. It's yeah. like, you know, stopping the grind and stopping our social lives and stopping work has has given us the time and space to actually listen to those earworms and pay attention to what they're pulling us towards. And I think, you know, again, I'm not saying that this year has been great. You know, obviously people have suffered horribly, but that has been the one benefit. It's been 
making space for that and almost becoming reacquainted with our most authentic selves and our inner worlds and our inner children, more importantly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, (laughs) weirdly, I have, like, way more memories now of my youth than I did a year ago, which is weird. That's wild. I feel like I had zero memory of, like before 14 or something i did i have all these stories but like i i just couldn't really remember details of stuff and i think this year just stopping and like it's a little bit quieter like you don't see people constantly and you've really gotten that out of me too i'm feeling the same way yes. like where it's a lot of like oh man i haven't thought of that in 20 years you know like <laughs> But it's like, right. Well, I mean, if you think about how much how much effort and energy and time it takes us to just maintain these what we thought were normal lives, it's so toxic and it just distracts us. Like I feel like I was just you know on autopilot, almost completely unconscious for the last several years yes. because I've just been working hard and just you know uh, trying to achieve God knows what anymore. I had completely forgotten, <laughs> and the second we all stop. You know, we recover memories and remember who we really are. And it's almost like that's exactly what this movie is about. Like you said, Matt, you know, it's this this guy who's like an electrician or some sort of, you know, whatever kind of <laughs> I think he's like an engineer or something. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. definitely more than yeah. But no, he's working on the electricity. This, yeah. And then he's called to work and has this, you know, sort of flash experience that just, you know, puts a big wall in front of him and makes him look around and he, he, this is the result of it. He gets sort of lifted off, taken away into this, what they make it seem like is going to be paradise land for him. (laughs) Yeah, it is his sole purpose. It becomes his sole purpose and then, like... Yeah, through the magic of the aliens, (laughs) he literally will go down the path he was meant to go down. And it's it's been his sole purpose and he did it. I think it's so hard. Sometimes it's like so hard to accept opportunities or walk away from opportunities. It's way more comfortable to just remain the same. Like, and don't, don't like go for anything like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's the change or the finality of a decision. So, like, to go or not to go. And I think, like, in a way, if Spielberg did remake, like or, like, when he was making it, he made him stay, it, it still would have been a final decision. Like, this decision brought him peace. Yeah, exactly. And, like, there is a peace in, like, being vocal about, like, a yes or a no. I think everyone is living in the, yeah, sure, maybe. and it's just so chaotic and like a yes or no can do wonders for your soul so you need to start making like more decisions i think we're all so terrified of the fucking little changes that come with a a semi-large or huge decision but it's like if you're making the decision you have to go fucking all in and there's a nice understanding in that. This is really funny because the last note on my sheet of paper is, do Matt and Ashley believe in aliens? <laughs> I 100% believe in aliens. I, I, can't, I cannot fathom that in this grand universe there is not living matter, you know? I, I think I think there absolutely are aliens. I think we've yeah. seen them. I think the videos and the <laughs> pictures we've seen, most of them are true. A- Area 51 is true. You know, I just feel like, yeah, 
Of course, why not? I think at this point, definitely something has reached here. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Do you? What do you? What do you think? <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. I I feel it. I feel like it would be impossible to dissuade me from this. Yeah. Same. I don't know too many specifics, you know. I've but just tell me a story about seeing an alien, and I will surely believe you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm. I'm not like, I don't believe in like ghosts necessarily, but I don't necessarily not believe in ghosts either, you know, but aliens, Mm -hmm. I'm like certain of, you know what I mean? Like I don't even Mm -hmm. question that. That's interesting because I 100% believe in ghosts slash spirits of some kind. I wouldn't say ghosts necessarily. There's a, there's an energy there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've seen those fuckers and it terrifies me. I... I live in a space that doesn't, <laughs> mostly because I'm terrified of ghosts. <laughs> yes. I live in a space where it's like, maybe, maybe not. But aliens, 100%, I know. <laughs> do you believe, Definitely. Do you believe in alien ghosts? Whoa. That takes it to yes. another level. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I do as well. <laughs> I just, the only thing, so isn't it so funny too that didn't NASA, or maybe not NASA, no, I think it was the Pentagon released these videos yes. of UFOs in 2020, but we were too preoccupied with, you know, the pandemic, so no one really talked about it. I saw the headline, but, like, I a lot was happening at the time, so I wasn't really in the mood to <laughs> go down fun things. Um, but I did see that, and I was like, is this shit for real? And I never followed up because of the pandemic. <laughs> I'm going to now. I'm going to really look into it. Yeah, let me know. See what's out there. Like, just send it to me. (laughs) You do the work and then I'll benefit, please. (laughs) Perfect. Will do. (laughs) Yeah, the only other notes that I had for Close Encounters of the third kind. What what are one and two? Us? (laughs) (laughs) Who's two? Well, we know the fourth kind from that uh, one movie, that one alien movie from like ten years ago. Uh, Those are scary ones. The fourth kind, oh, I think, yeah. is like is like Ooh. when an alien like comes for you, like Dude, comes at you, man. I saw that, that movie, movie. Scared me. That I saw that movie during the time when they were doing all of that fucking. It was like that Blair Witch shit where they were like, "It's a hundred percent real," and I was like, "Wait, what?" what? <laughs> and then I was like, gonna throw up because they had like the real footage next to the fake footage, and I was like, "No, no, that can't be real." Wait, <laughs> is it real or not? No, no, it was like a Blair Witch publicity stunt, but like during the time, and also it was before internet was like instant. You know what I mean? Like before updating shit. Um, they literally were doing like press junkets, like posing that it was real, but it, it wasn't. And all of that information was taken down like later. They never said oh it God. wasn't real. <laughs> I'm just saying. Really? And I don't think they ever said it wasn't real. It just kind of was like, oh yeah, we did a publicity thing for it. They never said it wasn't real. Well, fuck, that movie's still scary. <laughs> Extremely terrified. I wish I never brought up this question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll switch it because I just think like, this movie was in 1977, right? Yeah. Um, Star Wars came out that year. And I was just, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whoa, the world was ready for sci-fi special effects. Yes. I thought the special effects of this were pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, and also just friendly aliens. Yes, I love them. 
those little things all came out at the end. I was like, look at these guys. <laughs> oh my god, I adore the one I texted you, the picture of the alien. Oh, he must have been like the king or something because he looked like a spider and all the other ones looked like ETs. Yeah, when that thing was coming out, I was like, yeah, this guy's dope. He knows, <laughs> he knows what's going down. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, look at these little creaky arms moving up and down. This is what I fucking... Oh, I kept saying like too, this is a fucking movie. Yeah, it looks like it, you know? Like, it, like movies look like home movies now. Like, this looks like a movie. There's fantasy to it. Even before you get to the actual, like, encounter that happens at the end, it feels like fantasy throughout the whole thing. It's misty the whole time. Like, it just feels like an escape. And God damn it, I need an escape. <laughs> yeah. This is what Spielberg's so incredible at. He's so good at making these just, like... Yeah, Hollywood escape movies, you know, throwing money at the screen to make a movie. Yeah. And I do, but I do feel like this one, and I think this is tied to sort of the Richard Dreyfuss character, I feel like this is Spielberg's art movie, in a way. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I remember the first time, I only saw this movie for the first time a couple months ago, and when Dave, he was showing it to me, he was like, hey, you know, like, this sounds so up your alley, but it's a little bit more of a slow burn yeah. than something like E.T. or Jurassic Park. And I was like, that sounds great. Because <laughs> that's really, you know, I feel like childhood Laura enjoyed sort of, you know, the typical E.T. Jurassic Park sped up, you know, beautiful story, everything's great and fun. <laughs> but adult Laura loves the slow and the dark and the, the artsy films and so this is sort of you know the best of both worlds in that way that's a really good um like preface to receive before you watch this because like i hadn't seen it and then for a second i sent you an alien emoji yesterday (laughs) in a text message and then i was like yeah because close encounters is an alien movie and uh but i had never seen it and we sat down and something happened and Matt said something and I was like, well, wait, this is an alien movie, right? And then Matt just goes, you don't know anything about this. And I was like, no. And he goes, well, we'll just wait and see. And I was like, is this about to not be a fucking alien movie right now? <laughs> oh, fun. So you were so blind. That's, that's what I wanted to really preserve for you. Like, It was wonderful because the whole time I was like, what the fuck is going on? Because I was also very stoned. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a wonderful experience. But like... I was hooked in. Yeah, this was only the third time I had seen this movie. Like, I had seen it once, like, kind of young in my first Spielberg, and then obviously in my, like, teen movie fiend years. And so this <laughs> was a like, movie fiend? Yeah, you know, when you're watching everything. Um, and now again, and so, like, I was, I was ready to, like, kind of have fresh eyes on this thing, too. So I wanted to preserve total freshness for you. If you didn't know it was an alien thing, I wasn't even going to tell you. I I mean, like, it could be whatever. You, whatever. <laughs> I appreciate it. It doesn't have, like, a theme like Jaws or Indiana Jones, it except does. for the communication. Yeah, but it's yeah. kind of echoed throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Like the little boy is playing the noise. Yeah, for sure. But I'm just saying, like, you know how, like, you can kind of hum the music. The music in this isn't so much, but you have the notes that are more prevalent. In the question one. is, do we remember the actual notes? Laura, do you? Da, 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 da. 
We all gotta do it. <laughs> That's the rest of the podcast. That's how we're gonna end it. That's how we're gonna communicate the rest of this. Um, no. Don't do it in a chorus, please. You want me to do a bunch of sick edits for <laughs> I'm gonna leave this in and then show how shitty of an edit I do. <laughs> I'm not gonna spend long on it. <laughs> we haven't said to the listeners, happy 420. Oh my oh god. Oh my god. This is a 420 episode. <laughs> Surprise, you got 420. <laughs> That is, I was so excited when you were able to do tonight because I was like, oh, fuck yes, 420. What a perfect 420 activity. I was so excited to discuss this movie tonight. I'm so glad we made this work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, after a full hour of tech issues where each of us were covered in piles of wires and then realized we could pick up the fucking cell phone <laughs> and just call each other. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't mention it at the top. I'll t- y- you probably figured fucking out by now. <laughs> Laura's not with us right now. I want another one person who's like, what? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, it's just me calling in like it's a good old-fashioned radio show. Yeah, yes. this is a radio show at this point. But yeah, we had so many fucking tech issues. Like, who... I'm sorry, I know every podcast out there has been doing Zooms this whole time, but like, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> fucking how, too? <laughs> Tell me how you're doing it. <laughs> And it never works, so... We should have just texted this whole podcast. A text right out. Transcript comes out this week. Oh my god. It's gonna be up on our blog. AF High Blog. (laughs) Just fucking kidding. I'm not doing anything else for this thing. Everybody was just like, oh... Aliens! (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. I wonder how shitty her photos looked. So bad. (laughs) Also, I was like, girl, get another angle. Yes. She was just sitting there, point, shoot, 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 shoot. And I was like, nothing's moving or changing. I want to see. Use them sparingly. Like two days later after she gets back home or whatever. And she goes up to that fucking, the wife of Richard Dreyfus, and he, she, she's just like, look, this is your husband getting on a fucking spaceship. And that woman's like, you need to leave me and my family alone. You are insane. This is literally a, it looks like a little tiny light in the center of a black hole. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, no, this little smudge right here, that's him. And she's like... How dare you get off of my property? Let's rate this movie real quick then as we wrap this up. Guest honors, you go first. Okay. I am going to say a 4.25 out of 5. Nice. Because I really, really like it. It's a really, really solid movie. There are some, you know, some question marks, but overall, great effort. Great effort. (laughs) Great effort. (laughs) 
High marks. High marks. Can you imagine if you handed that paper to Spielberg and it just says, <laughs> great it's, effort. Like, it's like, B plus, great effort. <laughs> <laughs> and the greatest director of our time is like, cool, thanks. <laughs> I love to think that we're always being so fucking critical of, like, literally deemed the greatest (laughs) And here we are, assholes, just like, fuck this movie. Fuck that movie. This one's good, but it's not my favorite. (laughs) The greatest efforts of all time. Wow, you know what? I think I just finally understood the concept of our podcast. (laughs) Hey, let's watch all these famous, critically acclaimed films and tell you why they're not good. <laughs> but just to reiterate, I think we all like this movie. I think yes. it deserves to be on the list, definitely. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm going to, my mark, I'm going to give it on the on the paper that I'm going to write in red. <laughs> I'm going to give it a five out of five. I really liked it. I also thought it was a good effort. Yeah. <laughs> I would write on the paper. <laughs> Yeah, I would write on the paper, you did the assignment, you know? <laughs> like, I just blacked out. Did you say five out of five? Yeah. Okay, cool. I was like, what did he say? <laughs> it just, you know, the, it did the thing I thought it was going to do, and I'm glad it did. Yeah, it's a five out of five. <laughs> yeah, I thought, okay, so I have my uh, rating from last night when I watched it. At the end of the movie, I was sitting there having my crazy fucking theories. About E.T. And I was like, I think I give it a four. Like, just a solid four. Because I was like, yeah, that was really good. But, like, I kind of almost didn't know how I feel about it. But then, like, talking about it with you guys, like, I really do love talking about it. <laughs> it's, yeah, we really dug in. Yeah, it's fun. So, like, I may, like, heighten it a little bit. Maybe four, 4.5 kind of range. But uh, I'm just happy it's, it exists. I, I do think this also belongs on the list. Uh, as well uh, I think it is if E.T. is going to be on the list I think just like by association this movie has to be somewhere else on the list then they're so entwined, intertwined in my head for some reason just, it's crazy you, just that the evolution <laughs> theory you know of it or you know just the similarities you can't have one without the other so I'm I think it absolutely belongs on this list because I think E.T. belongs on the list and I think you need them together weirdly yeah, I think uh, it's crazy that the sequel is higher up on the list. <laughs> the sequel? <laughs> yeah. Well, I did like it better, though. I would put it higher on my list. Yeah. I liked I Close Encounters 5 out of 5, E.T. 5 out of 5, but I like E.T. a little, well, a lot more, because it's, it's E.T. <laughs> it's a different 5. That's your logo. Yeah. It's our logo. It's, it runs deep. All right, I think that, like, brings us to a conclusion. Laura, thank you so much. For being Thank on the you pod. for having me. I'm so glad we uh, decided to use our cell phones and call one another. And <laughs> I cannot wait to do this again in person. Yes. Because I miss you guys a lot. And I love listening to the pod because it just makes me feel like I'm hanging out with you guys. Oh my gosh, I miss you so much. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be hanging out in person real, real, real soon. Real soon. Vaccinated yes. buddies. Thanks so much for listening. Give my Instagram a follow at AFHighList. Rate, review, leave a comment for this thing. And guys, I think until next time. We've been high. Thanks for calling, Laura. Thank you. Love you both. I love you so much.
Um, tell me what you thought about Richard Dreyfus. Oh, what a sexy man. <laughs> you're, you're digging the the Spielberg Dreyfus combo for I, looks. I love it. I love him. I love his his curly hair and his weird face and his funny teeth. He's so much fun. <laughs> Big fan. Is that before that's before Jaws, right? Is it before Jaws? No, it's after. It's after. Oh really? Man, uh, he looks younger in this than he does in Jaws. I guess he's less hairy. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think he's also, he's kind of wild and free in this movie, and I think that might make you feel younger. Youthful. Yeah. <laughs> and he acts like he doesn't have children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck them, right? Space is better. 